this of your own accord, or did others say it to you about me? Pilate answered, Am I a Jew? Your own nation and chief priests have delivered you over to me. What have you done? Jesus answered, Well, my kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would have been fighting that I might not be delivered over to the Jews. But my kingdom is not from the world. Then Pilate said to him, So you are a king. Jesus answered, You say that I am a king. For this purpose I was born, and for this purpose I have come into the world to bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth listens to my voice. Pilate said to him, What is truth? May God bless to us this reading from his holy word. Now in many parts of the world today, there are some major shakings going on. Some major conflicts that are largely going unnoticed in the media but ultimately are conflicts of truth. Conflicts of truth. One of the ones I think about right now going on in the nation of India. Uh, Many people know about uh, uh, Modi and uh, his government there in India. Uh, But what sometimes is not reported so much is how there has been the rise of radical Hindu nationalists uh, occurring in India with, along with that, the increased persecution of Christians. Now, this is a conflict, ultimately, of truth. On the one hand, the, the Hindus recognize that the declaration that Jesus Christ is king is a truth statement that is radically incompatible with Hinduism. And it's radically incompatible with a nation that is founded on Hindu principles. And so consequently, as they promote the rise of Hinduism and Hindu nationalism, along with that, they have to deal with the growth of the church. And the church in India is very strong. There's more Christians in India than there are people in the United Kingdom. And so it's a massive thing. Or you look at China. And one of the things that has been on the increase for the last year in China has been the persecution of Christians. More and more churches are being bulldozed. More and more church leaders are being incarcerated. And you might wonder why that is happening. And the reason is that it is it, that the church stands in contradiction to what the communist government want to achieve in China, a one-party totalitarian state that allows people to prosper and builds up economic prosperity, but does so under a one-party de facto dictatorship. And so the church of Jesus Christ that once again stands as Jesus is king, and he is the king, That has to be dealt with because that is a conflict of truth. Because either the Communist Party is king or Jesus is king. And if Jesus really is true, if what we believe about Jesus really is right, then nothing challenges the kingship of Jesus. Or you look at North Korea 
long known as probably the worst persecutor of Christians globally. And, uh, and the Kim regime has always understood in, in Korea that if you promote Jesus as king, that means that the, the, the dictator, the leader of North Korea, cannot also be like God. And yet, that's what they promote, that he's like God. So it's no wonder that they persecute the church. Now, this is happening all around the world. The media generally doesn't uh, report it, but it's going on everywhere. And it doesn't really make sense to us here in many Western nations. It doesn't make sense to us because for many of us here in the West, the question we ask is the same question that Pilate asked Jesus, and that is, what is truth? If you don't know what truth is, or you have a distorted view of truth, or you don't believe truth, then these conflicts of truth, and let it be known, these are indeed conflicts of truth going on across the globe today. These conflicts of truth make no sense if you don't believe truth, or you don't understand truth at all. So what is truth? I mean, if if Pilate would ask us that question, what is truth? Now, I'm not going to give you the philosophical response. If If you Google that question, what is truth? I mean, you'll get pages and pages and pages of dense philosophical discussion about what truth is. And that in and of itself becomes quite confusing. Truth, quite simply is that which accords with reality. Truth is how things really are. How the world really is. How God really is. How you really are. That's what truth is. And truth is not truth because you believe it. Truth is not truth because you know it. Truth is not truth because you choose it. Truth simply is the way things actually are, whether you know it or not, whether you see it or not, whether you understand it or not, whether you believe it or not, truth is that which accords with reality, the way things really are. And so truth is something that's very, very important. In fact, if we don't have truth in our lives... Ultimately, it can kill us. You know, for example, say uh, you, one of you came up to me and said, Rod, you know, I, I'm not feeling very well today. I have a bit of a fever. And I say to you, oh, well, that's fine because here in this jar, I have a bunch of leeches. And if you'll put one leech on either side of your head and let it suck out your blood for a while, your headache will go away. Anybody who would volunteer to do that? Why not? I I tell you that I, you know that I absolutely believe it. Well, believing it doesn't make it true, right? And we understand that. Nobody would want to do that. Yet, how often are we doing that? How often are people consulting their horoscopes? I just realized, I read an article that the younger generation now is seeing a resurgence in reading their horoscopes and and consulting their horoscopes. Well, is it true? Is it not true? How can we say it's not true? 
How could you say leeches are not true? What is reality? What accords with reality? That's what truth is all about. And in the West, we need to be very careful because there are a lot of what I call demonic dichotomies that distort the truth. Like all those D's there. I did that accidentally. It wasn't really, import, uh, it wasn't really intentional. But there are a lot of demonic dichotomies that actually distort truth. For example, one of the big things in, in, that exists in our culture is the whole idea between what's public truth and private values or private morality. So in public, what is really true is what we can show scientifically. That determines the way things really are. And if we can't prove it by the scientific method, then we relegate it to private morality. So we say, for example, that science is true and religion is private morality. It's not true. It's just what you believe. It's the values that you hold. And this dichotomy between public truth and private morality actually distorts truth. Because we don't have this idea, the, the idea if it's true, it's true whether it's public or private. Truth is the way things really are. The way things really are don't change with your moral values. But of course, if your moral values are not in line with the way things really are, then you have a problem. That's a demonic dichotomy. And what it does, it silences everybody of faith. Not only Christians, but also Muslims, Jews, Hindus. It silences all people of faith and says, well, you can have your faith and put it in a little box as long as it doesn't intrude into public life. And we see that around us. Or we have another demonic dichotomy, facts versus values. So a fact then is something that everybody seems to know to be true. And a value is just your own personal perspective. And your own personal perspective is not really right or wrong. It's just your personal perspective. But that has great limitations, as we've seen. If my personal perspective is that you will be healed if I put leeches on your head, then obviously there's something wrong with my personal perspective. Another de demonic dichotomy is this whole idea of science versus religion. We see this all the time. You know, science is what has real value for our society. Science is what we promote. Science is what we believe. Science is value-free. Science is religion-free. Science is just science. And then you have religion. But as we're going to see in a moment, science depends on faith. It doesn't operate without it. No truth does, but I'll delay that for a minute. Uh, another kind of dichotomy is you have fundamentalism versus liberalism. And so you have some people who say, well, I'm going to be absolutely fundamental, fundamentalistically conservative, and I believe what I believe what I believe. And then the liberals, you know, they often say, then, well, you know, it's, it's the values and it's the values that I hold. But actually, they come from the same background. They come from the same perspective. 
It's all about personal beliefs. It's all about personal ideas. It's succumbing to the idea already that there's this dichotomy of science and religion. There's this dichotomy of public truth and private values that doesn't exist. And there's many more that exist in our society. The point is that most of the time, most of the discourse that you will hear, whether it's on the news or online, has already capitulated to a distorted view of truth. It's already capitulated to a distorted understanding of truth, up to the, even to the point where people will say, well, that's your truth, and I have my truth. Do you know, if your truth is wrong, it's not truth. And if my truth is wrong, it's not truth. If my truth doesn't reflect the way things actually are, it's not truth. There's no such thing as my truth and your truth. It's just truth. It's just truth. And we're seeing this kind of thing happen all around us. And that in and of itself becomes a conflict of truth that is going on in our world. And we need to see these and we need to understand that they're there because as we've been talking in this series, part of our role is to advance the kingdom of God under the leadership of Jesus Christ as king, as citizens of that kingdom. But if you don't accept the truth of who Jesus is, then it is impossible to advance Jesus as king and advance his kingdom. So what do we do about this? How do we get to the point of understanding truth? And where do we come from as Christians? Well, we begin with the idea that God is the source and determiner of all truth. God himself is the ultimate reality. God himself created everything that is. God himself determines what is true and what is not true. If God, if the God you follow does not determine what is true and not true, you're not worshiping the God of the Bible. And we see this operating in terms of God in three different ways. First of all, we say that God is the creator. God has created everything that it is. And God creates a universe in which we can discover and know truth. It was God's intention from the beginning that we would be able to discover what is really true. It was God's intention, and he created a universe in which we can discover and know truth. Truth is not impossible. We can discover it, and we can know it. And part of the issue of that is God has created a universe that is largely consistent and coherent, which enables us to discover truth. But not all truth can be discovered. For example, the Bible says, the psalmist says, the heavens tell the glory of God. You can know that God exists by looking at the heavens. Paul echoes this again in Romans chapter 1. You can know God exists by looking at the heavens, by seeing it all around us. You can know that there is a God, but you cannot know God's name unless he reveals it to you. Moses knew that there was a God He believed that there was a God, but it wasn't until God appeared to him in the burning bush and God said, hey, uh, and Moses said, hey, what's your name? 
And he said, well, my name is I am that I am. That's when Moses could know who God is. God has to be the identity of God. Some aspects of truth have to be revealed to us. And God not only is the creator, he is also the revealer of truth. And God will reward those who earnestly seek him. He will reward them with truth. So God is the source of truth. He's the creator who created truth, who created the possibility of knowing and discovering truth. He is the the revealer who reveals truth. And God is also the sustainer who maintains the unchanging nature of truth. Truth doesn't change. God himself is immutable, we say. He doesn't change. And truth does not change. Reality as it was is the way that reality is today and is the way that reality will be until God chooses to create a new reality, which is the promise of the scriptures, a new heaven and a new earth. And so God creates it, God reveals it, and God sustains it so that we can know truth. And when we know truth, we can depend on it. It doesn't change. It's not variable. God's not changing. And that's absolutely essential for us to know. Otherwise, we couldn't depend on who God is. It's a bit like Islam. In Islam, you don't know if you're going to actually get to heaven until you're dead. That's kind of a bummer in my book. You know, if I'm going to follow a God with my life and make sacrifices, I want to know that God's not going to suddenly change his mind and say, oh, how'd you get in here? And we follow a God who sustains the truth so it is consistent. So we have the way to know the truth. We have the way to discover the truth. But knowing the truth requires three things of every person. You cannot know the truth, you cannot discover the truth, unless you have all three of these things. First of all, knowing the truth requires a personal faith. You cannot know truth without having faith. You might say, well, that's not true. What about science? Science depends on having faith in the basic principles of science. One of the fundamental principles of science is that there is a coherent, consistent universe. If the universe was constantly, the principles of the universe were constantly changing, we could not have science. Science would not exist. Science depends on the faith commitment that you can discover the truth by using the tools of science. Science requires many different faith commitments a personal faith commitment to know it that most scientists never really even consider. They just take it for granted because we're raised with, we're raised with many of these things. So knowing the truth requires a personal faith. The same is true with God. If you want to know God, you really know God, you have to have faith. If you don't have faith, you won't know God. And faith means you have to take a risk. Faith means you have to step forward. A second thing, knowing the truth, any truth, requires a personal relationship. Now, I don't know 
the truth of pie. Uh, not cherry pie. Well, I know the truth of that because I love to eat it. But I'm talking about pie, uh, the, the, the number that, that uh, engineers everywhere depend on, uh, three point something, something, something. What is it, Coop? 3.12 dot, 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 dot. Yeah, it keeps going, right? You know, pi. I don't know pi. I've not sat down to figure pi out. I've not proved pi. There are some people who have proved pi. They have a relationship with pi. More recently, somebody just figured out pi to what, like 100 million digits? I mean, it's just incredible accomplishment. And they still... You know, it, it just still keeps going. I mean, that is an amazing thing. I have no relationship with that whatsoever. I just kind of say, okay, I'll go with you. It seems to work, and buildings don't fall down generally, so okay, I'll, I'll, I'll work with that. But I have no real faith in pi because I have no relationship with pi, consciously. If you want to know the truth, it not only takes a faith commitment, but you have to get in and have a relationship with the truth. You can't know any truth without relationship. You can't know the truth of history. I could tell you that Julius Caesar lives, but you don't know that to be true. The only way you can know that absolutely to be true is to start doing some research on it, read a number of people, and hear how many people say, yeah, Julius Caesar he was an emperor in Rome. So knowing truth requires a personal relationship. If you don't have the relationship, you don't really know the truth. You might think you know it, but you don't really know it. The third thing that knowing the truth, any truth requires, is a personal commitment. You can't know the truth without committing yourself to it. For example, how many of you believe that it's true that in the United Kingdom... Drivers drive on the left side of the road. I, hopefully everybody will say, yeah, they know that's that. I almost threw in, said right side of the road just to test you, but I didn't. You know, we, we know that, you know, but actually, if I'm going to engage with that truth, when I get into the car this afternoon to drive home, guess which side of the road I'm going to have to drive on? I'm going to make a personal commitment to drive on the left side of the road. It requires that knowing that truth requires that commitment out of me. And then since I've made that commitment, I've discovered that that is true. Now, if I try to make that commitment in a couple of weeks when I'm in the States, uh, I'll see you in heaven. So any truth requires faith. It requires relationship. It requires commitment. And God is the one who is the source of all truth. Now, these are all truth statements that either are right or they're wrong. There's no middle ground. I'm not partially right here. I'm either right or wrong on these truth statements. I believe that I'm right. Hopefully you do too. We'll all see when we stand before God. Absolutely. So God is the source of truth. Knowing any truth requires faith, relationship, and commitment. But how then do we know the truth that sets us free? I mean, that, that is really the big question. It's the big question that people in the world are asking. It's why that verse is quoted and misquoted so often out of context. Uh, the, you, the truth shall set you free. 
The truth shall set you free. We say that all the time. Lots of people, non-Christians, say that all the time. The truth shall set you free. That is not what Jesus said. That is not what Jesus said. But we can know a truth that will set us free, and that's the freedom that we long for, the freedom that we want, the freedom that we want to live for. And I mistakenly closed this. I got too too carried away. Notice what Jesus says here. He First of all, the text says that he's talking to those who believe in him. You see, there again, the first step of knowing the truth that will set you free is belief in Jesus. Without believing in Jesus, it is impossible to know the truth that will set you free. Belief in Jesus is the first requirement. If you believe in Jesus, who died on the cross, who rose from the dead, the biblical Jesus, the Jesus revealed to us by God, because that's the only way that we would have known who he is, is by God's revelation to us, we have to believe, have faith in Jesus to know the truth. And then he says that you need to abide in his word. You need to remain in his word. It means that you need to be listening to Jesus, listening to what he said in the Bible as the word of God. Listen to what he says to you as you live out your life. You need to be remaining, abiding, living out the word of Jesus Christ. You might know Jesus, but if you don't live out that reality, you don't know the truth. And then... He says that if you remain in my word, then you will be my followers. You will become my disciples. You will be people who are living, abiding in a relationship with Jesus. So we have to believe in Jesus. We have to abide in his word. We have to obey him. And we have to have relationship with him on an ongoing way so that we live our lives as Jesus would live our lives if he was us. And we live in that way. And if we have faith in Jesus, if we abide in his word, and if we have a discipleship relationship with him, then we will know the truth and the truth will set us free. There is no other way to know the truth that will genuinely set you free other than through relationship with Jesus Christ. Knowing that he is the Lord, he is the king, he is the one who died on the cross and rose from the dead for you, for us. He is the one who's created a kingdom. His kingdom is at hand and we're going to listen to what he says. We're going to do what he says. We're going to walk in relationship with him and as we walk in that relationship, we will know the truth and as we know that truth, that truth will set us free, set us free from the chains of the past, set us free from the lies, the falsehoods, the anti-truth of life, set us free from our sin, set us free from our limitations, set us free from those things that hinder us and hold us back, set us free so that we can walk in that freedom as disciples of Jesus Christ. Living our lives as Jesus created us to live our lives. Now, we might want proof of all this. Because anybody who searches after truth, 
will cry out for proof. What's the proof? What's the sign? What's the evidence? And the only evidence that Jesus gives us is the resurrection. The resurrection is the proof. The resurrection is the sign. The resurrection of Jesus Christ, a unique, irrepeatable event in history that demonstrates to us that there is truth and Jesus Christ himself is that truth. And when we know that truth, we then begin to understand that that truth, it's not a private opinion. Jesus is not Lord because you think he's Lord. Jesus is not Savior because you make him your personal Savior. In fact, you don't make him your Savior. You don't make him your Lord. You accept him as your Savior. You accept him as your Lord. You surrender to him as your Savior. You surrender to him as your Lord. You surrender to him as the King who has inaugurated a kingdom and invited all of us to be part of that kingdom so that we proclaim not privately, not just in our homes, but on the streets as we live our lives that Jesus Christ is King. And in some places of the world, making that proclamation simply by existing as a Christian, simply by living your life as a Christian, making that proclamation is going to get you killed. It's going to get you thrown in jail. It's going to get you persecuted. Thank God we're not in that time yet, but that time might even come to us. But the world realizes, these areas realize that the declaration Jesus is King is a public proclamation of truth that is irrefutable. Because there's one King, there's one Lord, there's one God, there's one Savior, and His name is Jesus. And the fundamental question of humanity is will you surrender to Jesus as King and live His life, or will you rebel against Him and live your own? May we be people who surrender to Jesus as King. As we come to the Lord's table, we are proclaiming very directly and very radically that Jesus Christ is King. And we do that, we proclaim that in the most amazing way by focusing on his path to kingship through the cross. When Jesus died on the cross, and rose from the dead, he made the way. He showed his kingdom was real, and he showed the depth of his love for us. And every time we eat this bread, every time we drink this cup, we are making a radical declaration, Jesus is king, and Jesus is my king. And this table is open to all who will agree with that declaration publicly, in their own lives, and in this world. Let's pray. Gracious God, thank you so much that we can come to this table. Thank you for this bread. May it be for us truly the body of our Lord Jesus Christ, broken on the cross. And thank you for this cup. May it be for us truly the blood of Jesus Christ poured out for us. Jesus, in taking this bread and drinking this cup, we declare you are king. 
And we join with the angels in all creation saying, Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come, heaven and earth are filled with your glory. Hosanna in the highest. Jesus, you are King. And we surrender to you. And we acknowledge you. And we pray that we might be with you in advancing your kingdom in our homes, in our workplaces, on the streets, everywhere we go in this world, that all may know your amazing love through the cross and the empty tomb. We pray all this in your name, Lord Jesus. Amen.